630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, welcome back to Inside Sports. As I'm sure you've heard over the last couple of days, one of the big stories in the city is also a tragic story as uh, Tim Haig passed away on the weekend after a boxing match with Adam Braidwood. Of course, Tim was uh, a former UFC fighter, very prominent in the mixed martial arts community, and uh, had recently crossed over to boxing. And I'm pleased to be joined by a man who often talks about MMA on this show and and a friend of Tim as well. And it's uh, Victor Valamaki on the line. And Victor, obviously, we usually talk under uh, under much better circumstances. So thanks a lot for uh, for making time for us. And uh, I know it's been a tough few days for you just um i'll start with this Uh, just give me your thoughts forget about tim the athlete uh for a bit here tell me a little bit about tim the person and what made him special to so many people well the thing with tim is he was the same to everybody he was you know if you if you ask 100 people they're going to tell the exact same story about tim you know he's you know that gentle giant he's the, the he's the the fighter like he's he's vicious in the ring but you know outside he's uh he's a big teddy bear and you know he was good to everyone he knew and and uh he was he's a great guy you mentioned that uh outside the ring he could be in, be a big teddy bear i mean one of the things that that struck me reading about him was uh teaching uh, what was it kindergarten kids and, and grade four kids that, that was quite the Quite the split, I suppose. He does this uh, very mean, aggressive sport, but yet he spent a lot of his days working with kids. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, you know, big, big, two hundred eighty pound guy covered in tattoos, and, and uh, you know, a professional fighter doesn't, doesn't ring as your your typical you know elementary teacher. But you know, his students loved him, and uh, you know, I know he really enjoyed that, and, and I know the I know his class was taking it pretty hard as well, and uh, you know, it's that's just him though. You know, it's. Uh, he could be, like we said, he could be he could be that ferocious guy in the ring, but to everyone else, he was uh, he, he was a nice guy to meet. Where do you think he got his drive from as an athlete and as a fighter? I, I mean, a lot of athletes have a have a story, that, uh, something that got them into a sport, or someone who inspired them or, or kept them going, or some people just have an incredibly strong uh, personal motivation, regardless of who or what is around them. What, what was that spark for for Tim? Do you think that uh, made him so competitive and kept them going? Well, Tim never seemed to be, you know, a fighter. You know, he never was in bar fights. He'd be the guy, you know, buying a beer for the guys, you know, trying to break up a fight, you know. And uh, so it was never that. It was for him. It was more uh, competition with himself. He had a he had a motto, and it's prove yourself to yourself. And that was it. it was just I think he just wanted to test himself, and he loved he loved the the competitive nature of of going in there and. And, and competing in, in in the sport, you know, as, as dangerous as it looks, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, he thought it was the best way to go out there and, and, and challenge himself. Victor Valamaki joining us on Inside Sports as we remember uh, Tim Haig. You know, Victor, I, I, I got to ask you this because there's there's so much going around and, and being said right now. As someone who was close to Tim and cared about him and cared about his career, 
Uh, I mean, do you feel something or someone let Tim down? Do you chalk this up to the dangers of the sport, or or is it just maybe even too difficult to to process that sort of thing yet? Yeah, I know there's a lot of uh, a lot of blame getting thrown around right now, and I think it's I think it's very misplaced. You know, I know Tim I know Tim very well, and and you know if anyone, this is on Tim. You know, he he wanted the fight, he begged the fight, begged begged the promoter for the fight. Um, you know, Edmonton has stricter fighter bylaws than pretty much anywhere I've fought where you have to get, you know, various medicals and CT scans and, and eye exams and blood tests. And and every year it gets tighter and tighter and, you know, making it safer for the fighters. And, um, you know, so I, I don't think there was anything that let him down. You know, Tim wanted the fight and he was focused and he was ready for it. And I don't think he can blame anyone. You know, there's a lot of you know, a lot of factors that came in, and obviously it's the worst-case scenario, but, you know, you do this fight a hundred times over, and, you know, this doesn't this doesn't happen. It's just one of those, one of those things that, unfortunately, uh, you know, can and did happen. Well, Victor, I appreciate your thoughts. Uh, you know, great memories of, of Tim and, and comments on, on just how he was to the people around him. We re- really appreciate you taking the time to talk to Inside Sports on our listeners tonight. Take care, Victor. Yeah, thanks again, Reed. Appreciate having Victor Valimaki on the show tonight. Uh, obviously, Tim Haig will be uh, missed by uh, members of the MMA UFC community, his students, and, and a lot of family and friends and co-workers as well. We really appreciate Victor Valimaki taking the time to recall him tonight. You can also tell you that Tony Washington of the uh, Edmonton Eskimos had a comment on Tim Haig today. Well, he was a good guy. His attitude was, he had a great attitude. And uh, every time I saw him, he had a smile on his face. And uh, um, he just he just had a presence about himself that was, you can just tell he was a good guy. I, I didn't know about it until later that night, and I heard about it, and, and yeah, immediately it, it was heart-wrenching, yeah. It's funny. I know you don't get into the, about boxing and everything, but every sport's trying to outlaw the headshots and boxing. That's kind of the idea. That exactly, you're, yeah. Uh, you're going to be a brave man and go in the ring. Man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a part of that. That's It's a fight. You know what I mean? You mean sign up for that? That's what it is. I mean, it, it, you know, it sucks that it happened like that for him. Adam Braidwood was the opponent for Tim Hague in their bout on Friday night. Braidwood put out a video statement via social media. I haven't made a statement because I didn't know what I could say or do that would help in any way. Uh, I spoke to the Hague family in private and offered my condolences. And I want to do the same now publicly. I want to thank everyone for their support, all the kind words. Like it makes a big difference. You know, this is really hard. Um, all the theatrics leading up to this, Tim and I were friends. You know, we spoke beforehand. We just wanted to make a beautiful fight for everyone, and that's what this is all about. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that everybody saw me celebrating, but, you know, nobody saw me pick up Tim and carry him to the corner and tell him that I love him. And... I just want everyone to try to help Tim's family. That's what this should really be about. Instead of leaving a comment, contact his family. And, you know, I know they set up an account. Help them any way that you can. And that's try to leave it at that. And, you know, nobody wanted this. It's 7.13. You're listening to Inside Sports on 6.30 Chat. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. 
So at 7.16, just keeping an eye on the Environment Canada website, and they posted this five minutes ago. Severe thunderstorm warning in effect for Edmonton, St. Albert, Sherwood Park. Uh, still talking about tracking an area of dangerous thunderstorms that could produce damaging winds, nickel-sized hail, heavy rain. The area of the thunderstorms extending from just west of Athabasca to 10 kilometers north of Bentley. So it's big, moving east at about 45 clicks per hour. Uh, there could be wind gusting up to 100 kilometers per hour. So the severe thunderstorm warning does remain in effect for uh, you know Edmonton and a lot of central Alberta. We got uh, Drayton Valley, Devon, Rimby, Pigeon Lake, Fort Sask, Vegreville, Redwater, Smoky Lake, Leduc, Camrose, Batasquin, Toefield, and moving to the uh, east and northeast, Bonneville, St. Paul, Cold Lake, Lac La Biche, Red Deer, Panoka, Innisfail, Stetler to the south, all severe thunderstorm uh, warnings. They still have an effect to the west as well. Spruce Grove, Mournville, Marathorpe. Uh, Evansburg, Westlock, Barhead, Athabasca. So that's what's going on with uh, the severe thunderstorm warning and uh, what Environment Canada is saying. We will keep you updated. Stephen, thank you for your text to 630-630. Strong wind and rain at Radway. So that's what's going on there. Next news and weather is at the bottom of the hour. Right now, it is 718. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. I really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Uh, a lot to talk about in the world of hockey. Todd McClellan is up for coach of the year. He's already in Las Vegas. The awards will be tomorrow, and we have this interview courtesy EdmontonOilers.com. It's not often that a 20-year-old leads the league in scoring is, is up for the, the Hart Trophy. And so I understand that. and uh, Really, in my opinion, the coach of the year is... Uh, is Sully from Pittsburgh. Anybody that can take their team and win the, the Stanley Cup should be named the coach of the year, but I don't make the rules. And uh, But I enjoy talking about these these young stars, and uh, they deserve the attention. To segue maybe just a little bit to another player that's been very impactful for your team, Leo Dreisaitl. Yeah, he's been tremendous. Uh, how has he done it? Has, did he get to a different level? It seemed like he did in the playoffs and just picked it up. And he did. Well, I think the, uh, the, the ceiling isn't hasn't even been reached yet uh, he's pushing the bar higher and higher every time he puts the equipment on he's beginning to understand um, that he can be that dominant player night in and night out he has the ability to play the game a number of different ways uh, you know the passing the speed type game but also if it gets physical and tough he can excel in those games as well uh, so it's it's not a surprise for us uh, it's something that we're excited about uh, something we know he can continue to grow and uh, we're very very fortunate to have him does it help when Connor McDavid is right beside him? Does it help in terms of alleviate pressure or maybe even motivate him a little bit? And does he motivate maybe Connor? I think they push and pull each other. Um, they're they're very close to begin with, uh, not only on the ice but away from the rink. Um, they spend a lot of time discussing situations, scenarios on the rink, and uh, they do push and pull each other. Um, Leon's situation last year, I remember bringing him in and and uh, told him that he's allowed to be the best player some nights. It can't always be Connor. And uh, I think that gave him some permission to even take it up a little bit more. Took advantage of that and uh, he ran with it. So um, as all these teams that move deep into the playoffs prove, you can't win with one player. And uh, for us to have two of them evolving and, and leading our team and everybody else following, it's real real promising for our future. To that end, playing together, playing apart, is, is there an ideal there? Uh, I think it's fluid. It depends on uh, the situation that presents itself on a nightly basis. Uh, 
certainly most teams are built, you know, through the middle, goaltending and a couple strong defensemen, very good centermen, and we feel we have that. Uh, but we think we're lucky enough to be at least three deep with Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and, uh, and Connor. So we can move them around as we feel fit, and um, Leon's certainly okay with that. And I know Connor enjoys playing with him. Todd, how much of a testament to the, <coughs> the season you guys had is to have yourself, Peter, and Connor all here up for recognition for achievements this year? Well, I think that the, uh, the fact that we're here uh, means that the group as a whole, the organization as a whole, had a good season. Uh, and more so Peter and I than, than Connor. But uh, it takes a team to, uh, to reach uh, the point that we did this season. It wasn't just one man or one coach or one manager. And, um, um, you know, I, I use the analogy of a, a jockey and a racehorse. Um, you can have one of the, the, the top two in the world. If, you don't, if the other part isn't doing its share, you're not going to win. And uh, this year, I thought the jockeys, all of the staff did a really good job, and the, the horses ran hard, and uh, we were able to compete in the race. And that's uh, a recipe for success, uh, something that we're going to continue to need. How unique has kind of this week, the last bit <coughs> been here with, with the expansion draft, just kind of unique wrinkles with uh, yourself and Peter and the rest of the well, there's dealing with all that? There's a lot more going on right now than uh, what normally happens at this time of the year. There's always some discussion about moving up or down in the draft or, you know, you're starting to tweak your teams at this point, but uh, there's a lot more action going on. There's a lot more discussion. The phone's ringing a lot more often. Uh, it's an exciting time right now. It's an anxious time for players, uh, for coaching staffs, uh, but it's exciting. Uh, there's a new team coming into the league. Nobody knows what it's going to look like until tomorrow night. And I believe even after that, uh, it's going to change immensely as the as the year goes on. All right, Todd McClellan talking to the media in Las Vegas. The award show is tomorrow. He's up for the Jack Adams, the only other Oilers coach to win the Jack Adams, Glenn Sather. That was back in 1986. It's 7:23. Blue Jays losing four nothing to Texas. That's in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, again, the weather is a big story tonight, so I'm going to keep putting weather updates in here on the text line. David says Fort Saskatchewan is getting hammered. Another texter says big windstorm in Red Deer. And another texter says heavy hail looks like snow-covered fields just south of Mournville. Also have a text from uh, an individual who uh, says... Uh, he or she is a member of the Alberta Highway Patrol. Please advise motorists to turn on their headlights during these storms and remember to drive to the weather conditions. If you need to pull over to find a safe spot, remember to turn on your hazard lights. So it is nasty out there. Uh, it's coming through the city. I mean, basically, I read out all the communities a few minutes ago. We have a severe thunderstorm warning basically stretching from uh, Red Deer all the way north to Athabasca and then into uh, the Northeast a little bit as well with Bonneville, St. Paul, Cold Lake, Lac La Biche under that warning as well. So it's uh, it's ugly out there right now. If you don't need to go outside, you might want to stay home. And if you are out there driving, again, drive to the weather conditions. If you have to pull over, put your hazard lights on. Uh, all good advice here as we roll along on Inside Sports at 724. Uh, we'll have... Draft coverage starting at 4 o'clock on Friday, 7 a.m. on Saturday. Then we have the Eskimos and the Lions coming up Saturday night. Countdown to kickoff at 6.30. Kickoff at 8. How did a Darius Bowman spend a couple days off on the weekend? He got married. I did something very interesting and very special. Uh, 
I'm a married man now, so uh, it was an amazing few days off for me. Been kind of waiting on a few days to make the decision. Uh, it actually was amazing. Made it through camp once again and uh, got me a wife. So uh, it was an amazing, amazing three days off. Uh, were you planning those to get married those three days? I know you got engaged in the off season, but were these the kind of days you had circled on the calendar, or did you just say, let's do it? Uh, I had the whole calendar circled, but uh, I was waiting on that moment uh, to get the free time to do it. Uh, we got a great plan. We'll do all the, the fun and festivities after the season, but uh, in terms of getting that connection, we wanted to get it done as soon as possible. Once we got the blessings from both sides of the family, uh, they said, why well, wait, and I agree. So Who was there? Let's go to City Hall, or? Uh, Sorry. I have... We, we did at someone's house. Uh, it's a secret. But I did have one guy there. Two guys there, y'all may know. Uh, Odell Willis and Shamar Chamber was there. And uh, I simply used Odell as a witness, because you need a witness. So uh, he was the guy. I noticed you didn't call him the best man. You just called him a witness. Yeah, he's just a witness, man. <laughs> he knows he's my best man, but uh, I just needed him for a witness that day. You know, uh, he said he got a couple of best man plans for me later. But uh, we're going to stay focused on this season and get to this great cup, and then uh, I'll be calling for my best man then. So you're going to do it up again? Oh, yeah. Family, friends, and everything? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to do the festivity part. We just wanted to get the legal the legal parts done, you know, so we don't have to wait another six months. You might not be guaranteed those six months. So uh, get her done, and then uh, we'll do the party and after the season. I want to get this great cup first. All right, Adarius Bowman, great stuff there. And TSN tonight, part of its, uh, you know, countdown to the season stuff, putting out the top 50 CFL players heading into 2017. Adarius Bowman listed as number three, Mike Riley number two. So two of the top three players are Eskimos, Bo Levi Mitchell listed as number one. There were seven Eskimos in the top 50. The other ones, Almondo Sewell 13th, Odell Willis 31st, J.C. Sherritt, 46th, John White at 48th, and Sester, uh, center Justin Sorensen at 49. We're living the dream with goaltender Michael Garnett when we get back. What a journey through Russia. Where's he going next? It's a luxury, and it's definitely a blessing to be able to play hockey and get paid to do that, so not many people get that opportunity. Inside Sports presents Living the Dream. It's a segment we often have a lot of fun with here on Inside Sports. We call it Living the Dream, and uh, you've heard it before. It's uh, We profile uh, a hockey player, and the, the rules are pretty simple. He or she has to be in a league other than uh, the NHL. We've done AHL, we've done ECHL, we've done uh, Canadian Women's Hockey League, uh, we did, uh, we've done coaches coaching in Europe, so we've done all kinds of fun stuff. And uh, today we welcome to the show and to live in the dream, Michael Garnett, who is a goaltender. And, uh, Michael, first of all, thanks for stopping into studio. It's great. It's great. We, we've talked on Facebook, so it's great to meet you in person. How's life? Everything's great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we're, we're going we're gonna to let people know what's coming next for you later on in the interview. We'll, we'll, we'll tease that. <laughs> um, where'd you, let's start with last year. Where did you, you play last season? Last season, I had a little bit of a late start. I was um, coming off a hernia surgery and uh, rehabbing that. So I was basically sitting around waiting for a job to come uh, in the KHL. And that finally came in uh, at the end of October. And I went to Zagreb, Croatia. And the team's called Medvis Chak. So that's where I started the year. Okay. So what was it like playing? Because obviously the KHL, most of the teams in Russia, but they've got 
teams in other uh, other nations as well. What was that like, pro hockey in uh, in Croatia? Was that uh, a tough sell, a little different, or what was it like? Well, it was, it was a great place to play, wonderful city, and um, the thing was they're, they're playing in an old arena that's, you know, seats about 4,500 that, uh, you know, isn't the best arena to play in in the league, but when it gets rocking, it's rocking. And um, surprisingly enough, they love hockey there. It's not their number one sport, but uh, it's a team they're really proud of. They've won a lot of championships in the Austrian League, okay. which they were in before the KHL. And then they got injected with a whole bunch of money from Gazprom in Russia uh, about five years ago and got a team in the KHL and had some success early on. So uh, there's a buzz in the town, but it's not... It's not the number one, that's for sure. So what is the number one? I'm, I think I can make an educated guess, but... Handball. Well, it's handball yeah, above soccer l- there. They, okay. Yep, they love handball there. It's crazy, but they, uh, they, go, they go bananas for it. That and tennis. So, okay, so did you ever go watch? Like, Do they have pro handball? They have... Uh, yeah, they do. They have their national team, but not my thing. I didn't ever okay. end up going. <laughs> you didn't need to, to, to go sample it. Uh, now, in terms of, as a grab, the, I understand this team um, is not going to be back next season or not back at the in the league. They were in, not back in the K. Yeah, they're out of the KHL. Uh, you know, like I alluded to there, they were getting um, their money from Gazprom in Russia as part of a, a deal that was hoping to get a natural gas pipeline through Croatia uh, to the Adriatic Sea. And that ended up falling through with Croatia getting into the European Union. And uh, just it's a geopolitical mess over there okay. with Russia at the moment. Right. So uh, from what I've heard, Russia pull, or Gazprom pulled their sponsorship. And without that, uh, you know, Medvedchuk had, just can't play in the Russian Things league. They, they can't okay. afford to. So, yeah, they're out and uh, not sure what's going to happen with that franchise. So you'd been in the KHL a long time, 08 09, with, uh, what do we got, one, two, three, four, five different teams uh, overall. What, what and, and you actually played in Russia mo- most of the time. What's it like being a Canadian hockey player in Russia in that league? I mean, is it any... Is it any different? Are you the the other guy, or uh, what's it like fitting in? Yeah, it it developed a great respect for the foreigners that come over to Canada and the U.S. It's very difficult, especially at the beginning. There's a huge language barrier that, especially if you're in a city that's not very international, uh, is very difficult to overcome. There's almost no English, and even on your team, you're walking around, you know, using emojis on your phone or something to try and oh, you know i went over there back before the iphone and i was trying to you know order food and i'm you know clucking like a chicken trying to get the right order <laughs> oh and man it, it was really difficult for the first couple of years so did you learn any russian yeah i did enough to order food anyway no i, I did I, I learned the language uh the best that i've heard of from any foreigner going over okay. there so good for you i studied it really hard um i bought every single textbook i could get in computer program and uh, that improved my quality of life to the point where I love being there. It was a wonderful experience, and, um, you know, I'd go back if I could. It's just unfortunately um, getting a little old towards the end of my career, and it's not possible to play in the KHL anymore for me at this point. But, um, 
Well, yeah, you're not I an old man. It. You're not an old man. You're 34. I'm not an but old man. Hockey but terms, okay. There you, go. you can you can yeah. see the end, maybe, or sense it coming. Yeah. Uh, tell tell fan, Michael Garnett joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Uh, so after being in the KHL since 0809, tell people where you're going this year because this you were telling me off air. This is pretty cool opportunity. Yeah, so midway through this season, uh, after kind of the difficulty I had getting a contract last summer, um, I started looking at other opportunities around Europe other than the Russian League. And I heard about a program in Great Britain where they sponsor you to get an MBA at a local university, get you into the program, and then also you play for the local pro team for... Uh, you know, to take care of your car and your housing and, you know, a modest salary compared right. to what I'm used to. But uh, I just thought, uh, you know, my brain's good. I don't have any concussions. My body's in good shape. Uh, you know, I, I have a second half of my life that I got to think about. Yeah. So uh, with no education, I've got a bunch of friends that are retired from hockey and you walk into an employer and basically your resume is your webpage on HockeyDB. You've got no skills. You've got nothing. So... For me, this is a perfect opportunity. Um, I, I think once I have that, maybe I could get into my dream would be management and hockey at, at some level or another. Yeah, that'd be great. Just to stay in the game, just to stay around it. Uh, so as soon as I found out about that opportunity, I started searching for teams to uh, pursue it with. And, um, you know, my agent got in contact with the Nottingham Panthers and their coach is Corey Nielsen. He's a Canadian guy and they've had a bunch of players go through there that are doing the exact same thing that I am. Uh, Brad Moran is one of them, mm-hmm. former Calgary hitman. Uh, David Ling, who I played against in Russia a lot. So I was in contact with those guys and found out about it. And um, the university I'm going to be attending is called Loughborough. And it's, you know, top 1% MBA schools in the world. Oh, I excellent. think it's ranked like number six in the UK. So as soon as I found this out, I was like, I, I have to do you this. This do is it. so exciting. And you're playing for the um, Nottingham Panthers. Yeah, Great that's name. the name of the team. Okay, so. so that's your that's your next adventure. Michael yep. Garnett joining us on Inside Sports. So speaking of hockey, DB. I mean, I got the page in front of me. So you're in the dub, uh, Red Deer in Saskatoon. Uh, you were drafted by the Atlanta Thrashers, 80th overall. So you know, I mean, pretty pretty good spot to go. And uh, you did play uh, 24 NHL games, uh, all with the Thrashers, right? They were the only franchise yep. you were with. Um, look, I'll just ask you bluntly, why do you think it didn't work out to stay in the NHL? I, I think that I wasn't your typical hockey player growing up and was a little overwhelmed with professional hockey when I got there. Okay. So... I grew up, I was in the advanced schooling coming up in Saskatoon. Uh, I it just didn't quite fit in as a hockey player. And then once I got into junior hockey and the first couple of years of pro, it was, you know, I, off the ice, I think I was trying to, you know, show that I was cool or whatever. I, I, I went out too much. I didn't have the best attitude and uh, it ended up costing me, I think, um, I did get an opportunity to play in the NHL, which was purely by chance. I had two goaltenders ahead of me that got injured, mm-hmm. and I ended up playing half the season in Atlanta. Uh, and that was in a that was a roller coaster. Just emotionally, I I I had a lot of I was good, but then I'd have big swings emotionally, and didn't quite get to where I needed to be. Um, the last part of that, I was seven zero and three. I was like runner up for goaltender of the week or whatever it was. Yeah, and I thought things were gonna really. Uh, be good and I was going to get a job there the next year 
but after the big injuries and all, all that that they had they went the other direction and just signed two guys ahead of me that were older and more experienced and um that was just after that there was no recovering really but um you know the the opportunity in russia i really saw as kind of a wake-up call and a second chance and from that point on you know i was isolated i was locked away the night before games i was everything and uh, i really helped me focus and i just ran with it so so you just you just learned at a different everybody everybody maybe reaches that state at mm-hmm. different points in their life and, and yeah. career right yeah i think so so uh you know, there's something I could pass on. I know you can never tell an 18-year-old kid that's right. just been given a bunch of money and, you know, is living the dream. Hey, man, tone it down, chill out, like, you're going to be fine. But, you know, I, I wish I could go back and tell myself that. But, you know, I, I'm very, very happy with my well, career. Well, let, I'm so very let me content, ask, have yeah. you reconciled that, that it's, you know, okay, you got those games in the NHL, you had, you had a hot streak, and... You know, are are you just fine with the way things turn out? Is there is there any regret lingering, or are you like, you know what, I I I played the hand I was dealt, and it's been okay? I I'm very happy with my career. I think that that opportunity to play those NHL games got me into Russia at mm-hmm. the perfect time. Okay, and I got in there and ran with it. And you know, back then the price of oil was high, the ruble was good. I mean, there's a core group of five or six guys that were over there in in russia at that time that um w- every time we see each other we're like wow man can you believe the good old days in russia like right. uh, like it, it was it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because i don't i don't know if i could have had a career like that and in the, in the nhl i don't know what would happen it's all what ifs at this point sure. but things things were great in russia and and i'm very happy with that part of my career what what was uh, let me ask you this? I mean, you mentioned learning the language. What would you say the biggest difference is between living in Russia and living in Canada? And I, and I know you got to live in some cool American. I mean, you were in Chicago, which would have been pretty awesome to live there. But um, I mean, we hear all these stories about the black market in Russia and meet me in the alley, and I'll give you the real loaf of bread as opposed to the, the moldy one. We got, you know, like what? <laughs> is that any truth to that? Yeah, it's a place that you have to be very secretive and keep your mouth shut and you know if you want to have any fun it's behind closed doors and you don't go around bragging about it okay and you know i had a lot of good times there with some teammates and um you know but then when it was time for the game they most seasons they would lock us up the time the night before the game we had a baza where we (laughs) would all have to go the night before 24 hours before the game uh, we were we were out of there. So what that kind of does is it just makes you feel like your team doesn't trust you <laughs> and you're their property. Right. But they're paying you a good enough salary that you just eat it. And but it's like, a different right, employee-employer relationship Absolutely. than it might be. You're not in... an employee. You're a piece of property. Right. Like it's, it's, <laughs> they look at you that way. You're an asset and... They, I mean, everything from meals, they, they want to put the right food in you. They want you to sleep in their proper place. The, like, you get this much training. Like, it's not, hey, get yourself in shape, show up at the rink. It's, they look at that as their responsibility. And they're right. And your, your contract says right in it, you have to abide by all team rules. That's legally binding. Or they can fire you. And they can just make up whatever team rules they want whenever they want. Right, so you got to be careful. So, <laughs> so you basically it teaches you, um, 
like my whole career, all I did was uh, keep my mouth shut, do as I was told, uh, work hard. And that got me to the very upper echelons of the KHL. And, you know, I talk to guys now that are thinking of going over. You know, Carter Ashton's a guy that mm-hmm. uh, Saskatoon guys over in Nizhny Novgorod now. I, I was talking to him before he went. And, you know, I, I try my best to pass on what I know. But that's basically what I tell these guys. Go in there, work hard. This is a great opportunity to make, you know, real good money for your life. And, um but it's not like back home. <laughs> what about, I mean, I mean, you would have been over there with the uh, the tragic plane crash, obviously. Mm-hmm. What about the, that must have been scary. That must have given you some pause. Yeah, terrifying. You know, I, I remember sitting there in my apartment when that happened. We didn't know why it happened or anything for probably about a year. Mm-hmm. And Russia is a place where... They like to do things to make things look like they're going in the right direction. So after that, they didn't know what happened, but they switched us from flying on Russian planes to uh, Boeings and Airbuses. So we felt better, but it turns out a year later, that wasn't the reason for the crash. It was because the pilot uh, got his medical just signed off by his doctor and he couldn't feel his feet. Mm -hmm. So he had the brakes on when they were trying to take off. So... That, that was kind of scary. Um, they do have a pretty bad aviation record just generally. It's mm-hmm. still much better than driving. But there were times after that where I had anxiety and I was taking Ativan to get on the plane. We had guys that, you know, would drink on the plane because they couldn't handle it. Wow. Um, it I mean, we had a road trip two days after that and they hadn't even put the bodies in the ground. So it was... It was really hard and, and probably something I should revisit at some point with some <laughs> therapists. But definitely uh, that kind of got me into aviation, though, because I wanted to understand what was happening with that, too. So, you know, it, it was a, definitely a, a point in my life that kind of shook me. And uh, But I don't know if it changed me that much. It just made me kind of be a little bit more careful over there. And, right. Uh appreciate being alive well yeah well you have done that Uh, michael garnett joining us on inside sports uh, tonight uh longtime goaltender of the khl former atlanta thrasher going to play in uh, england this coming season for nottingham so i mean you're a western canadian guy you mentioned growing up in saskatoon uh you spend most of your summers in calgary now you're up in edmonton today um i mean clearly you're enthusiastic about russian you formed relationships there but there must have been moments you're away from family friends was, was the homesickness ever an issue, or does it still kick in sometimes? Just, you know, a lot of people here that you love, I assume? Yeah, it, being away is hard all the time, but I've been very, very fortunate to have good friends and family that uh, stand by my side, whatever I choose to do. And with FaceTime and Skype and right. everything now, it's like you're basically sitting on the couch talking to your mom whenever you want, you know, or whenever <laughs> she wants to call or whatever it is. But um, it's... The world's not as big as it used to be, and I, I'm okay with it. Whether I'm here and my parents are in Saskatoon or I'm in Russia and my parents are in Saskatoon, it's 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 no different to me, and we see each other about the same amount. So it, it's not for everyone, but uh, there are certain people and certain personality types that will thrive in that situation. I think that it fit me really well. All right, Michael, one more for you. And I mean, I think you've, you've sort of uh, answered this, but I'll, I'll kind of narrow it down a little bit. Just what's, what's kept you going through 
like you said, learning languages, learning cultures, not having family and friends uh, in person, sometimes uncertainty of where you're going to play next season. What's kept you going to the rink through all that? I absolutely love the game. I love to play at the highest level possible. I was in Russia and I'd be going out for a game and Pavel Datsuk was over there during the lockout or Ilya Kovalchuk comes over or I'm playing against Yevgeny Malkin or Kuznetsov in practice or whoever, Nachushkin, whoever it is. Uh, I just love to compete and I'm one of these guys that hates the offseason because I'm not on the ice competing and, and it drives me crazy. So that's me. I just have a fire inside me that and it's the games it's not the training like i hate the training i hate you know you can ask anybody they're like he's not a guy that's spending four or five hours in the gym after but when i'm out there in practice and when i'm out there in games full stadiums there's nothing like it and it's really hard to you know convey that to other people what that feeling's actually like when you make a huge save and the whole crowd starts cheering it's just the best so that's what keeps me going. That's why I'm still playing. I like, I love it. So that's the best answer I can give you. <laughs> Michael, you are living the dream. Great to meet you in person. Thanks so much for your time on Inside Sports. No problem. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks for coming in. Michael Garnett, great feature, living the dream here on Inside Sports. I can tell you that we no longer have a severe thunderstorm warning for Edmonton, St. Albert, and Sherwood Park, but the watch does remain in effect So it doesn't mean we're out of the woods, but it is a watch now, not a warning. Still have a warning for Fort Saskatchewan, Vagerville, Redwater, Smoky Lake, Leduc, Camrose, Wetaskiwin, Toefield, and areas to the east as well. Daniel Stillwell will have a further update when we get to the weather at 8 o'clock. All right, keep it on, uh, on 6.30, Chet. For weather updates, thunderstorms moving through, well, a lot of central and northern Alberta, really. And uh, you can go to 630Ched.com as soon as we have the official photos of the Oilers' new jerseys. Of course, they will be wearing orange at home. I'll be joining you from Chicago tomorrow. Dave Campbell will be hosting in studio a lot of hockey talk, Eskimos talk as well. Great to have Michael Garnett drop by for our Live in the Dream segment. He's going to be playing in England for the Nottingham Panthers after a really successful KHL career. You also heard from Victor Valimaki, Bob Stoffer, and Sam Cosentino. Thanks to everybody who texted both sports stuff and weather updates those were really helpful dave campbell is the producer of the show kellen kennedy doing a great job as your studio producer this evening my name is reed wilkins this has been inside sports on oilers and eskimos radio 630 ched charles adler tonight is next Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.